Good evening and welcome to episode 110 of the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Kravitz. Thanks for joining me on what is going to be a fantastic night with a handicapper and analyst. I've been waiting to get on the show for quite a long time to chop up another great weekend of racing at Gulfstream Park this Saturday. Uh, If you are new to the show, please make sure you subscribe right there on the right side of the screen. I just tweeted out today, we are at 700. That's right, 700 subscribers. We got to keep that going. But listen, I want to get to at least 1,000. Real simple. Just tell anyone, a friend, a neighbor, a relative. Just tell tell them to go on to YouTube and subscribe to the HHH Racing Podcast. It costs them nothing. They won't get any annoying you know, messages or spam email or anything. They don't even have to like horse racing. Just tell them to subscribe to the channel. Of course, also follow me on Twitter. You can see on my name tag there, at H Kravitz. I have a lot of followers on Twitter. Sent out a lot of cool stuff last weekend from Gulfstream, and I'm always commenting on horse racing. And, of course, you can email me on, you can see on also on the scroll down below, hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. Uh, a few quick housekeeping items. That's right, folks. The HHH Racing Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So if you can't see the show uh, live tonight or by video, you can check out the audio on your way to work, maybe even at work. Who knows? <laughs> Just don't get yourself fired. Um, but check me out on those two platforms as well. The Race Day blog. Now is a great time to purchase it, folks, because it is the beginning of the month. So again, it auto renews on the first of every month. So please make sure you subscribe. I got a few new subscribers this week. Gave out a lot of great opinions last weekend at the Pegasus. As you know, I was there, had a great time. There are ABC uh, tickets on here. There's also price plays and spot plays from other tracks and stakes throughout the country. It's very cheap. Highly recommend you check it out. You can see the information on the screen or check out below the video player in the description, you can sign up through Patreon. Also, last thing, if you've not heard, I'm excited about this. I'm not sure our guest even knows about this. I had Todd Shrupp on a few weeks ago, and he invited me to come on to his show. That's right. I will be live. Can't believe it. I'll be on TVG Live with Todd Shrupp in April at Keeneland on set, chopping up probably a pick four or a pick five. I'm not sure which. There'll be a lot more announcements when we get into that. I am very excited for that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I think that is all we need to talk about in terms of some administrative items. Let's get right to our guest. I see him behind there waiting patiently in, I guess I missed the uh, weather by a week because I looked at the weather. It's like in the high 70s and sunny all week here in Florida. And we were shivering last weekend in like the high 50s and low 60s. And I heard from a lot of people, oh, poor babies down in Florida. It was like high 50s. Look, when you go to Florida, folks, you expect to be like in the high 70s, right? Or 70s or 80s. So I'm not complaining. I mean, it was a lot warmer than the nonsense we're dealing with here or if you're in the out east or whatever. But listen, for California, or for uh, Florida, it was still pretty darn cold. And it was really windy, too. So uh, I'm glad the weather has warmed up there. Uh, before I bring in my guests also, please make sure, top right-hand side of the screen, you enter in that live chat. We've got a lot of people watching already tonight. We're going to have a really good conversation. We want to have a very lively conversation. So make sure 
you join us on that live chat on YouTube on the top right-hand part of your monitor and type in some questions. All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's bring on our guest. I'm a big fan. He does a great job, not only at Gulfstream, but also at Saratoga. We're going to find out more about him. If you're not familiar with this gentleman, he is currently at Gulfstream, and he is the handicapper analyst on the simulcast feed, along with Ron Nicoletti, Acacia Courtney, many others. The one, the only, Brian Maddow. Brian, how you doing tonight? Hey, Howard, good to see you again. Yeah, we were we were uh, chopping it up, as you say, in a lot colder climate last weekend. Well, I don't know about colder for you, but uh, it was a little Burr Green Bay last weekend down here at Gulfstream Park, the wind and uh, all that, but it was good to catch up with you and, and uh, see a lot of a lot of friends from uh, upstate New York and all that. So uh, it was a hell of a weekend. And uh, we got a hell yeah. of a weekend coming up, too. It was awesome. If I could do you a favor, you could maybe lower your, um, your your camera just a little bit. And then maybe if you can turn up your volume a little bit, that'd be great. You're a little bit low on the volume, if you could. Uh, again, Brian's a very busy yeah. guy. They would racing today. So I'm very happy you're able to uh, uh, join us. I don't know if you heard, Brian, but... Uh, you, I've, I've got a lot to live up to tonight because I had one hell of a handicapping weekend last weekend. I uh, had my first live money uh, championship. I finished fifth in the Pegasus. And with the Adelphi boys, we hit the pick five, the pick six also at Gulfstream on Sunday for 25K, which only means one thing, and you know this better than anyone, I'm probably going to be awful tonight with my opinions for Saturday. So thank goodness you're here to help us out, Brian. Yeah, I heard uh, – I got several texts from the boys – uh, on the way home from uh, the, the pick six and uh, your score as well. So I'm only about 36,000 behind you and we'll be, we'll be even. <laughs> Very good. Well, let's hopefully we can get, uh, you know, get the viewers uh, some wonderful uh, impressions and picks tonight. So Brian, uh, very quickly, we got a lot of people watching already. Very excited. We'll, we'll start handicapping folks in about 15, 20 minutes. Brian, I want to talk to you first. Maybe uh, there are some people that might not be familiar with your work and your background. Of course, I am. And I this is like the 60 minutes, by the way, of horse racing. I do the deep dive here. So maybe ready to rock and roll with some fun and exciting questions. But before we begin, uh, first of all, tell us your impressions. You're going to see questions on the bottom of the screen. Also, you'll see questions coming in from viewers as well. Uh, tell us your impressions of Pegasus World Cup Day last Saturday. I mean, yeah, life is good was just awesome. I mean, it's it's hard not to leave um, with just being in awe of what he did, just basically bottoming out the field on, uh, you know, blaring away early and, and bottoming out Nick's go and the rest of the field and, and just basically uh, forgetting to stop and and uh, in a huge performance. You know, people, myself included, had question marks maybe about him getting nine furlongs and he did it easily and impressively. So, uh, you can't say anything but uh, give him the most uh, kudos to that. Um, I thought Colonel Liam was awesome, Howard, coming off such an elongated layoff. You know, he hadn't been out since June when obviously something went amiss. And, uh, you know, he had to run down a stablemate that was loose on the lead over a turf course that that predominantly plays to speed. And I thought he did it and did it impressively. And he ran fast, too. So, uh, Todd Fletcher, it's the, the world is his oyster. And he really flexed his muscles on, on Saturday. Just to, You know, we saw Colonel Liam life is good and and uh never surprised in the paddock schooling on wednesday and i'll be the first to admit i'm not a guy that you know can pick out a, a one horse from the next but I, I said to some friends i said wow colonel william looks like an absolute tank in there and uh you know he set up as his life is good obviously for you know monster campaigns with their, their connections hope so so uh we'll see where they go 
from here, but it was just cool to see him front and center in Hollandale Beach this past Saturday. Yeah, I think Acacia Courtney set out something on Twitter on Wednesday of those three schooling in the paddock. And, you know, I know horse flesh pretty well, but probably not as well as maybe some others. Uh, not only Colonel Lean, when I saw Life is Good yeah. that day, in the, it, I mean, Brian, I mean, neck bowed, ears pricked, Prant looked like an absolute monster. Honestly, I think it's the best schooling of a horse in a paddock three days before race literally I've ever seen. And I've seen, I've seen many videos and sometimes in person. So those two were great. By the way, we have a great viewer. His name is Faya. He's got a good suggestion. Just pick Pletcher. That's all. Yeah. That's never a bad, never a bad idea down at, at Gulfstream. Faya, thanks for joining the show. Um, I heard some inklings about Colonel Liam. Maybe they're going to take him over to Dubai and run in the turf along with uh, life is good in the Dubai World Cup, I, I we can we we have months to talk about that. My personal opinion, not a good. I don't think Colonel Liam is a world class horse. I think uh, Space Traveler, by the way, had a ridiculous ride and a tough trip. I think if he had a better trip, he could have actually won the race. I mean, how good could Colonel Liam be? Do you see him as possibly the top U.S. horse in the country this year? Or I, I think he's a very nice horse. I still not fully convinced. Maybe, maybe I, I'm just throwing too much shade at him. I don't know. Yeah, it's you know it's. Tough to say. Like I said, he won that race off a of June layoff, so you really can't take anything away from him. Were they a world-class field? Absolutely not. It was predominantly a, a group of grade two um, kind of horses. And, you know, never surprises. Uh, I'm not even sure if he's a graded stakes winner. If he is, he hasn't done it against anything but three-year-olds. So, you know, you're allowed to think those things, but then you look at the other side of the coin and you say, wow, this horse hasn't run since June off of, you know, some kind of mishap. Uh, and he came back and he ran the best race of his life. So um, to me, there's only one way he's going and that's up. And, you know, he goes over to Dubai and runs nine furlongs over there. I don't see why he can't, uh, he can't be a major factor o o over there. You know, we don't know who who's going over there or who's, you know, who's around, uh, but I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a pretty awesome performance when you take everything all things considered, yeah, you know, I know Space Traveler had a trip and he was flying up the rail, but I don't know. You know, when you have tactical speed and you're able to put yourself in any kind of position you want to be, um, you make your own luck. And when you have a horse like Space Traveler who's got no speed, you know, that that's what happens. And and uh, I, I'll be the first to admit, Howard, I'm not, I've never been a Colonel Liam guy. I, I laughed when he was 5-2 to two in this race last year. And... Um, I'll say I've been swayed a little bit. He was my best bet on Saturday, and and I didn't have many winners on Saturday, but he was one of them. But, um, I mean, who's better than him right now? I, I don't know. And the other thing, yeah. too, you know, not to get too deep into it, you got to remember, too, um, you know, we're talking about late March in Dubai. You know, the Michelwitches and, and those horses of the world aren't cranked up yet. You know, they haven't even yeah. started in Europe. Um, it's true. Those kind Might of be races. some nice horses from Japan coming. I yeah, no, no, that's idea, fair. But, that, that's absolutely you know. fair. But um, Todd Pletcher's not shipping across the world if he doesn't think he's got no. a shot at five million. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. By the way, another question, and I believe this might be Angela Herman. I'm not sure if it is Angela Herman. Angela, thanks for joining the show. She she's a simulcast host. Um, an analyst at Canterbury Park. Who I'm not sure if you know who she is or not, but she does a great job there. Um, I just talked to uh, I talked to Matt Cutare, a good friend of both of ours, yeah. recently, and I talked to another good friend, Paul Halloran, about maybe me going to the Belmont. I've never actually been to a Triple Crown race, believe it or not. Uh, and I'll tell you what, if I end up going, it might be because of this race, not because of the Belmont. Sure. If this thing develops, 
I mean, we Nick's go uh, Nick's go. Life is good. I mean, that got a lot of pub. As as a pure horse racing fan and handicapper, this matchup might be the best. I'm 50 years old, Brian. I think that would be the best matchup of my lifetime if that if if it develops. In the Met yeah, Miami. that that would be tremendous. Um, June is about 35 years away in the terms of the, the <laughs> thoroughbred racing industry. So yeah, um, we'll see. Um, you know, that's a hell of a question. Um, I, I was not like a huge life is good fan, but he, he put up when, uh, he could easily shut up on Saturday. Um, you know, flight lines never really beat anyone, but oh my God, he's one by a hundred lengths, right. With crazy fast speed figures. Um, and I, sorry I to interrupt you, but put... I think, I think, sorry to interrupt you, but I think Stiletto Boy, you know, uh, gave flight line a little more form there because Stiletto Boy, Ran actually yeah. a career top and ran fantastic and absolutely dusted, uh, was dusted by flight line. I know different circumstances yeah, and situation, I mean, but you got it. I mean, if you play a little, you know, apples to oranges, uh, yeah, I mean, that was, you can, you can say that too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he finished in Hollywood on, on Saturday and life is good finishing Hollandale beach, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's nine furlongs to a seven furlong trip at Santa Anita. Of course. It would be fascinating. I would probably, ugh, so I would probably pick Flightline because he is—he's certainly brilliant. And uh, but yeah. like you said, I would love to see that happen. Um, going a one turn, that uh, one turn mile, Howard, for my money is the you know the absolute throwdown. We'll figure it all out in yeah. a minute and thirty-two at Elmont, New York. So that would be awesome to see. Um, but you know, you mentioned Dubai, and I was to be quite honest with you, stunned when I heard the D word for uh, life is good, that they might take him over there. I mean, I, he finished in, you know, if you, if you believe the time he finished in 26, 38 on Saturday. Um, that's, that's not, you know, making any friends late, but he, you know, he also ran crazy fast early and, and essentially bottomed out the field. So who knows, but point being, if he goes to Dubai and runs 10 furlongs at the end of March, I, I kind of, think all bets are off for early June, you know? Okay. It'll be fascinating to see. Um, as most of you know, and we're going to learn a lot more about Brian tonight, if you're not familiar with his fantastic work and, and, and the job that he does in many locations. Uh, Brian, I got one more quick question about Gulfstream, yeah. and then we'll talk about you personally and get a little background. Um, how has the Tapita service been received? And it seems to me there's some different opinions for trainers versus betters. I know a lot of trainers like it. It's a very friendly surface. Of course, when when they're rained off, they can go on there. Betters, listen, we're we're very fickle, right? We don't like change necessarily, yeah. and there's a lot of adjustments that have to be made to a new service. Yeah, you said it all, Howard. I mean, uh, listen, I I'm not a huge fan of playing the races. I struggle with it. Admittedly, um, there's been a couple weeks in a row where inside wasn't a good place to be, and then it's kind of come around um, from where it was in the middle late summer. To where it is now it seems to be tightened up quite a bit um i admittedly you know don't have a heck of a feel for it i struggle with it um but i do think there's something to be said for you know you, you've been around a while now and you know you see uh a 16k claimer on the turf in february get washed off and you have five horses on the sloppy main track and and nobody wants that so i do think um, it, it was a, it was a really good idea. I do. I strongly feel that the, the problem is we haven't been able to run as many turf races as we like. Yeah. You know, it's, it's tricky and, and I have no problem with them, you know, carding, especially 
you know, or having it out there when when it rains off because frankly, I'm really sick and tired of seeing, you know, 10 horse fields go yeah. down to four or five. I mean, of course it depends who's on the A list and et cetera, but so I'm a big fan of that, but you know, I think they just want to save the turf course really. I mean, people are frustrated with, you know, uh, putting cheaper races on the course, but look, would you rather them race on the turf and then you get people making fun of the derf, you know, later in the season when it's really not even green. So listen, yeah. I, I, you can't have it both ways, right? Yeah, I agree with that. And we just had four graded stakes races on the turf last Saturday. So, you know, you have to, it's a balancing act. We all get it. Uh, we've got a couple for three-year-olds we're going to talk about in a little bit uh, this upcoming Saturday. So, you know, the turf course is getting used. It's South Florida too. You're at the mercy of the weather. And, you know, we've gotten some some heavy rains on days and preceding days where we're racing. And it just, it, it is what it is. But I, I think having the tapita in your back pocket, it, it helps. You know, like you said, it. Nobody wants to see see five horse fields, and and uh, I think on the whole, Howard, it, it was it was done uh, for the right reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I agree with you, and hope I'm sure it's going to work out eventually. It's a it's a beautiful surface, and actually, when I was there in person, the it's actually more narrow a course than I thought. It looks like it's only like I don't know eight paths or nine yeah. paths. So I found that uh, to be interesting as well. Uh, Brian, before we get into the handicapping, we're into a famous segment that I have. Uh, that's called 10 minutes to post. I'll bring it up in a minute. But before we do that, very briefly, just tell everyone your background, where you're from, and how you got into horse racing in the first place. Yeah, I grew up uh, just a little south of Saratoga. I'm in Half Moon, New York, and born and raised. And I uh, was not a guy or a kid, I should say, that went to the track with mom and dad or dad and the buddies. Uh, you know, growing up, I don't think I went to the track until um I think August of my, my after I graduated uh, high school. So that was my first foray then i went out to oswego suny oswego and and uh placed a bet on thunder gulch in the derby and the rest was was as they say history and you know you give uh you give a college freshman 50 bucks in 1995 you can have a lot of fun and do a lot of damage so i was kind of hooked we had an otv out there in uh oswego and it, it kind of took off from there howard and um i was just a better um for about 10 or 11 years and and uh, I was a better, and then kind of one day I said, you know what, I wonder if you know, I could work in this industry. And um, I never really had a real job, but I got a press intern job with Naira when I was like 30 years old, paying eight bucks an hour, and, and I didn't know where I was going from there. And uh, I had to start as a, as a turf writer. I had to start, you know, I worked with the Clancy, Sean and Joe, love those guys, and they taught me a lot. Um, I started way back when as a press intern with Naira, Eric Donovan, Jason Blewett. Um, those guys were tremendous way back in the day. Franny LaBelle hired me. Love you, Fran. Um, and then I moved on to the Clancy's and I worked for them for, for several years. And, and then the, the big break was, was twofold, um, hooking up with Joe Christofek and Jeremy Plonk at the time, of course, player now. And then Seth Marrow of Capital OTB asked me, Hey, you know, you want to come on during the summer and, and do some, uh, some TV. And I guess that was 2013. And uh, I started with OTB in 2013 and then just kind of kind of kept on keeping on. And, and then last summer, you know, I was at Fairgrounds working with Joe, who's one of my great, great friends and uh, one of my, you know, one of the best buddies and, and great at this industry. And he kind of said, you know what, we, we've got a spot. And so I was there. And then that Howard kind of parlayed me here to, to Gulfstream. So, uh, you know, working with Ron and Acacia and Ashley and like you said, just. Uh, kind of taking it and running from there. 
Well, I'd say things have pretty worked out pretty well for you. Right? We've got a lot of similarities. We're, we're pretty much the same age. Uh, I just, you know, my parents didn't really take me to the track. I'm not in the industry unless you consider this, I guess, this podcast now. And um, who knows? After my TVG appearance, you never know. But, um, yeah, so we have some similarities. So it's, it's a lot of fun to talk horse racing. All right, Brian, I've got a very famous segment a lot of my guests like. Uh, by the way, I'm the editor, the producer, the host. So if you see me looking around, clicking buttons, I'm doing it all. This segment is called 10 Minutes to Post. 10 yeah. Minutes to Post. Brian, these are going to be 10 rapid-fire questions, all right? So yep. you can answer these relatively quickly, and then we're going to get right into the handicapping. Are you ready? I am ready. Dig it. Here we go. What was the first moment you fell in love with horse racing? Yeah, it was that Thunder Gulch moment, 1995, the Derby. I had a friend who said, hey, I like this horse a little bit, and we put a few bucks on him, like I said, as a college freshman. And that was it. And that was obviously May of 95. And by by uh, early June of 95, I was going up to the Saratoga Harness <laughs> slash simul track, <laughs> track uh, quite a bit that summer. Well, I'm going to Saratoga for the first time this summer. I don't know if they run harness in the summer, but I definitely want to do that do. thoroughbred harness daily double. <laughs> definitely yeah. we'll be doing that up there. Um, the best or most memorable horse racing event ever attended? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, Songbird and Beholder throwing down was pretty awesome in the Breeders' Cup. I'm a huge Ghost Zapper is the greatest horse I've ever seen. It takes me a second to answer that question. So seeing them in person as a fan, not in the industry, in 2004 at Lone Star was Lone pretty, Star. pretty cool because um, he was great. Oh, I think sub two, minute, sub two minutes, I think. Yeah, I 159 remember. and two maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, the best part about working or capping, handicapping at Saratoga, and I know, you know, if people don't know, you work with Capital OTB. Yep. You have a show called Saturdays at the Spa. Before you answer that question, I got a little surprise for you here. If you give me just a second. I want to make you feel at home, Brian. So <laughs> got something I want to share with you here. Here we go. <laughs> there it is. Live from the backstretch at Saratoga. This is the handicappers report. All right, I just want to I just want to bring that up there. Yeah, you, yeah. A little reminder done. of the show there. Um, tell everyone about the show and just how much how great it is to work at uh, Saratoga. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we have, I mean, a, heck we have a heck of a lot of fun. Of fun. We're, we're on the back, on the back Saratoga, right by the seven furlong shoe um, on Nelson Avenue, across from the horseshoe, and and uh, with Seth Marrow and Anthony Mormino and the group and great guys and. You know, we're at the track. We're live at the track, right? You know, we can see the shoot. And, and um, you know, OTB was the old Channel 12 long before I was working for them. And, and everybody kind of sort of in the Capital District knows Capital OTB. They know Seth. And, and Anthony's been there for 100 years. Anthony's going to the Super Bowl to see the Rams. So, um, lucky him. But, yeah, everybody knows those guys. And, and during the summer, it's – you know, people love racing in Saratoga, Howard, and to be a part of it and, and to really kind of be up close and personal to it is really, really cool. And, and um, just just to say you get to do it every day, it's, it's the, the pinnacle, you know? I mean, I, I can't wait. I heard, you know, the Oklahoma track is amazing. Just the whole sure. atmosphere. I just, I've heard the Hattie's chicken. I got, I mean, just the whole thing. Um, I actually have part, part ownership uh with Adelphi racing with a horse named Salivo. And that's a fantastic restaurant. I was able to meet the Salivo family who did a little pop-up at Gulfstream uh, last weekend. So that was pretty cool. Really looking forward to it. I see uh, Charles. Thanks for chiming in, Ralph. I'm not going to bring up your comments 
but I appreciate you guys joining the show tonight. Uh, bucket list track or race day event you'd like to attend in the world? Um, there's, there's not many. I've done pretty good in the U.S. I will say that. Maybe an arc day um, over at, at Longchamp maybe. Um, you know, I don't need to go to Royal Ascot, but maybe if I went to see the King George in the summer, that would be that would be pretty cool. But probably I would say the arc, Howard, would be will be there. Maybe the Curra and seeing Irish Derby. A lot of people have said the arc. I got one for you. I'd love to go. I've always wanted to go to Australia. The Melbourne sure. Cup, from from what I understand, Brian, makes the Derby look like a little cocktail party. I mean, that, yeah, that looks it, unbelievable. The, <laughs> That'd be the, fun. The, yeah, the day the, the country stops or something like that. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have a, a, a nutty friend that the I The race love, that stops he, the nation. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah. So, I have a friend that's <laughs> been there many times, and uh, he, he says it's highly recommended. Uh, most embarrassing moment while on air. Is there one that comes to mind? And by the uh, way, um, you could you could go R rated. This is on YouTube, so don't don't you know feel free to share anything uh yeah within reason. <laughs> I don't know if I've got one. That's a good that's I wish I had prep time on that. I can't really come <laughs> up with one. Um I'm sure there's been a live mic or two that probably shouldn't shouldn't <laughs> have been at a summer in Saratoga. Um I don't know. That's a that's a good question. I don't think I have an answer to that. Actually, I don't. All think right. Listen, the guy's just an ultimate but... pro. He never makes mistakes. Yeah, right. Oh, just works tough. out great. By the way, Honestly. like I said at the beginning of the show, the, the the people that you have to work with at Gulfstream, I have to. Wrong choice of words. The, your coworkers, you know, Acacia, uh, everyone out there does just a fantastic job. I really, you know, Ron. Those are all great guys. Very. Yeah, maybe give it the... two months and we'll we'll revert back to this all right. question and we'll see. All right, Ronnie is. Ronnie's always trying to get something across, get something uh, by you. Um, so I believe you you worked for Patty Power and William Hill a little bit yeah. as well. If I tell us a little bit how the Euro punter is, and for those people who don't know, a punter is the name for a handicapper or better out in Europe. How do you see any differences in general between what Euro punters look for and what we look for here in the states in terms of specifically betting the races? Well, we set, you know, we we did for quite a long time with uh, Worst Player Now through Express Bet, uh, you know, setting the odds on our races, American races for those guys over there, and um, so they they're a little different in that obviously they're fixed odds, you know, which could be coming, you know, sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, right. So, you yeah. know, that was the big thing over there. Um, you know, we were told, and it's probably not a lot different, Howard, you know, we were told, hey, just take note of this guy's riding or, you know, names that you would be familiar with um, and things like that. They've got to toe the line a little bit more over there because um, oftentimes their their place prices are contingent on their on the, the win odds too. So it's a little different in that regard. But um, I, I will say – it, it kind of blows my mind just in general that, you know, they're a little, um, they don't have like true past performances over there and, and things like that, which the timing is obviously it's not because, you know, they, they run three or four day meets over there and it's different, but yeah. I've always kind of, kind of wondered like, how do you not have a true form, you know, of, of a horse and running lines and things like that where we're over here. Uh, I know we're, we're trying to get our act together a little bit over here too, but we still have, you know, past performances and all that kind of thing. So that's always been very interesting to me in that, you know, they still fire over there, but it's definitely a little bit of a different genre. Uh, Chris Mack, the each way bet is very yeah. big across the pond, which is a great bet. It's a win and show uh, bet for those of you who don't exactly. know. It's really interesting. Um, Brian, uh, Brian, I'm not going to put you in an awkward situation and bring up the timing situation. The only thing I'm going to say, all I'm going to say is, 
just can we please try to fix it? That's all yeah, I'm going to say. Mean, it's it's yeah. absolutely insane. I'll let people on Twitter and other people talk more, you know, vehemently about it. But it, it is it is sort of crazy right now. I just I don't get it. Yeah, I but talk anyway. about the races. I don't talk them. So. I gotcha. Um, a few more questions. We'll get into our handicapping. I know you also have done some work for Breeders' Cup, or you do do yeah. work for Breeders' Cup. Is there a specific moment in mind that you can think of that was just the ultimate moment? You were like, wow, what a what a race, or what a moment. Well, the, the Songbird and Beholder race was, was just tremendous. It was a shame it was on a Friday at 5 o'clock and not you know Saturday at 4.30. But um, I thought that was just awesome. And, you know, if, if you couldn't, as a fan, just – love that I, I you know you've got to find something different to do so that would probably <laughs> howard be right at the top of my list it was just such a seminal moment of two you know hall of famers just just at the the, oh, the height of their powers just throwing down i needed a bowler that day for a dollar pick four which paid like like two thousand so i was very happy i've still had people on this show guests uh guest handicappers famous people that still say songbird one <laughs> I don't know. You people know, still don't believe that photo. I, I you know, know what? I, I've it's never crazy. gotten into that, but it's funny you mention it because just the other day, I think it was on Twitter or something. I saw some, hey, are you sure, you know, she won and I saw the photo. I was like, I never really heard that. Like that was a thing, but. Um, well, I think, I, I think like certain jurisdictions that the, on TV, the camera is slightly before the wire and the angles a little bit yeah. off. And so it just, you know, that, that can happen. Um, of uh, horizontal or vertical better? Oh, horizontal for sure. Thousand percent. Yeah. Like, well, that's like, why we have you on this show. I, yeah. I agree with you as well. Um, you don't have to give us a dollar amount, obviously, but best gambling score, what kind of bet was it? Where was it? Et cetera. Um, just a pick five at Saratoga three or four years ago. That was um, actually, you know, I take that back. I was now I think of it. That was a personal one. I was part of a group that um, it was a big group. So, we we hit the pick five for thirty one thousand dollars, but we hit it three times. We had a dollar oh, fifty, which is like wild. So I was wow. part of that group, and and honestly, um, we we there was a DQ in there. It was second to last day of Saratoga on a on a Sunday, and there was a DQ in there, and we had the horse that was DQ'd, and like that horse was five to one. No, I take it back. It was a dead heat and a spin away. And we had the horse that was five to one and the winner should have, the, the other horse that dead heated should have come down and it could have been that much more, but that was pretty cool. We were like, how'd you make out that? We hit the pick five three times. So I was just, you know, a cog wow. in the wheel of that one, but that was cool. Oh, that was a great feeling. Our right, last question. And you'll have to explain to viewers why I'm asking you this question. I know you'll appreciate it. The stones, Howard. Oh, what, what's that? <laughs> Which team do you enjoy Oklahoma beating the most? Oh, that's an easy one. <laughs> Texas. Can we swear on this show without Texas? Sure. I thought you might say Nebraska, but Nebraska is just not very good right now. Nebraska has been dead for 50 years. I yeah. can't stand Texas. So, yeah. So beating Texas in football, I'm assuming. You're yeah. Well, right? yeah, I'm more, um, yeah. Hoops, football, anything, um, marbles, you know, anything. Um, we the Red River like rivalry, football. correct? What's that? Red River, the Red River rivalry, rivalry right? We're, uh, I'm a big sports guy us to the SEC. They're, they're, I hear they're uh, on our coattails to the SEC in a few years. <laughs> All right, Brian, let's get into the handicapping. That was the 10 minutes to post. Hope you enjoy those 10 questions. I'm sure we're going to have some uh, questions related to another great card. While I give me a minute here while I bring up the uh, 
we're going to bring up the DRF formulator PPs. That's what I use, Brian. Yep. And by the way, if there's, if there's a replay you'd like me to click on and show, I'll be happy to do that. I know I didn't prep you for that. But as I bring up the card, tell everyone a little bit about what we've got here on Saturday. Not only the Holy Bull, but four other stakes as well. Yeah, they're all for three-year-olds, all grade threes. Um, as you said, highlighted by the Holy Bull, but the forward gal, there's a couple turf races in there as well. And uh, it's just that, you know, we had last Saturday with the Pegasus, obviously Howard, but uh, we're right back to battle this, this Saturday. And, um, you know, I'm not trying to be a homer, but in a day and age where horses don't run and view at three until March or something, you know, the Holy Bull came up exceptionally strong. And, you know, a horse like Mo Donegal, like, you know, I think he's, He's probably in a lot of top 10 lists and, and things like that. And simplification. He was so good. One of the mucho macho man. So I, I feel like, you know, we've got a third in, in a breeder's cup juvenile coming in and tis the bomb. It was, you know, sharp as attack on turf. Um, it came up a pretty darn good race, Howard. And, and uh, I'm excited about that. It's a points race, obviously for the Derby. Um, so we'll see how it all shakes out, you know, two turns now, obviously for some of these three-year-olds. So, yeah, it's cool, and it starts us down the path to the Fountain Youth and then certainly the Florida Derby. Yeah, real exciting. We'll get to that race that happens later in the card. Folks, before we start talking about the late pick five, very briefly, Brian, and by the way, at times, I'm going to take us off the screen and go full screen on the PPs uh, so people can see a little better. Uh, so just want to give you a heads up on that. There's two races before yep. the pick five that are stakes. Let's go ahead and take take a look at those very quickly. Also, Brian, you'll see our picks on the bottom of the screen. And Brian didn't know, doesn't know my picks, and I only knew Brian's picks as of a few hours ago, folks. Um, and I'm not sure if you saw the morning lines before you made your picks either. I did not, Brian. I will say that. The, the first race we're going to briefly talk about is the grade three swale. It's for, as you said, restricted three-year-olds, seven furlongs. They're going for $100,000, and you're going with a very, very fast horse, a Calbred in dreams for Cox and Ortiz. Yeah, maybe it's just a fresh new face, Howard. That 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 might be what it is. And I don't know if, if he's the controlling speed, but he's drawn outside. I think that's beneficial. Um, you know, maybe my prankster's got to go from the rail. I, I thought my prankster had to work pretty darn hard, to be quite honest with you, beating. Beating an okay horse in Little Vic, don't get me wrong, but I thought he had to work a little harder than maybe he should have um, in, in winning that race. And, you know, in dreams comes in in really, really good form. Irad gets aboard as well. It's it's Brad Cox. So, you know, I'm not I'm not telling you something you don't know, Howard. But um, I have a little little skepticism from the house horses. Um, the home team of a revolution is okay, but you know he, he's no great shakes, and you know maybe he regresses off such a huge performance last time, huge figure last time. Um, you know, Dean delivers is fine too. And he ran a big race last time behind Dean's list, but I kind of thought Dean's list came back a little bit for Pletcher. And I'm not sure if Dean delivers came up to the level as, you know, more of the former than the latter. Mikey Yates has struggled getting to the winner's circle. I don't think I liked graphic detail a lot last time, Howard, and quite frankly, he was not very good. Um, so then you're, you, you kind of say, well, okay, if we can pick apart, the home team um, in dreams is, is pretty darn good for Cox. I mean, yeah, he was in for 150 and that probably will scare some people away. And I understand it, but you know, it's easier as Howard, you're a horse owner. It's easier said than done to take $150,000 <laughs> out of your pocket and claim a horse. So uh, I, I, you know, I'm not holding that really against them. 
Um, he's proven on dry land. He's proven on an off track and he's fast and he's outside. So I landed on him. I don't have a strong opinion on him whatsoever, but uh, the fact that I think my prankster is down inside too kind of helped me out a little bit too. Yeah. I think the outside post is going to help. Now we could, we're not going to talk about this race much longer, but a lot of these horses have not gone beyond six. So, yeah. uh, you know, in dreams went six and a half. I, I think my prankster went a mile, but my only concern in dreams, and I know I don't have the horse in the money. I have the horse on my ABC ticket, obviously, folks. And again, if you want to purchase the blog, you can see what my ABC ticket looks like. This horse will probably be a B for me. I'm going pretty spready, which I hate to do in a five-horse field. So uh, I, I have slight distance, distance concerns with this horse, Brian. The dam really did not want to go much beyond six. I'm not going to show the PPs there. But listen, Brad Cox did it with a horse last weekend uh, that I hated, frankly, in the inside <laughs> information, that won as a favorite. So uh, Cox knows how to train. I think, and I could be wrong, Brian, I think Saez is going to let the five go. I think he's just going to you know, let the five go, come around. And this is just more of an in Todd we trust kind of thing. Yeah. I like the fact that last time, you know, he's sort of stalked and pounced. I think he's going to get the same trip. Um, and I'm, I'm a little bit, there is other speed in here too. So um, I don't know. It's, it's not a, to be honest, the field is slightly disappointing to me. Um, and it's only, a, it, it might only be five, ladies and gentlemen, because Mr. Booma, I don't know if you know this or you've yeah. heard, is uh, entered in a, in a race tomorrow. Do you know if he's going there or going here, Brian? I don't, Howard, but that that horse, that race came up so salty that I would bet a beer he runs on Saturday. I have no, yeah, <clears throat> I have no information on that whatsoever. But the race you're you're referring to tomorrow, the optional claimer for three year olds, I believe, going a mile. There's two Pletcher potential stars in there. Um, that race came up crazy live. Um, you know, right into the teeth of the swale of the Holy Bull. Like I okay. said, I don't know. I would think he comes out and maybe tries tries a grade three race, you know? Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to race seven. Now, race seven is the other stake race, not part of the pick five. It's also a grade three. I found this to be a pretty tough race, actually. It does kick off the pick six. For those of you who like to play the rainbow uh, six, there's no mandatory payout um because uh some some knuckleheads like me and some others hit it last uh saturday uh it's the great three kittens joy it's for three-year-old males they're going a mile 16th on the turf a hundred thousand i'm gonna go put our uh picks up and the great thing about having guests like yourself on this show is there's always a variance of opinion and it gives our viewers brian a chance to just make some decisions based on what they like you're going with the sixth royal spirit a very juicy five to one for Pletcher and Paco speed Howard or tactical speed. And you have to be close on this turf course. You're not going to, you're not coming out the back and running anybody down um, on this turf course. And Royal spirit is perfectly drawn coinage does what he does. He's going to go, especially from down there. And uh, I know Royal spirit steps up and he's got to face winners and we're in a graded stakes and, and all that. And I understand it, but I think he's on the common here, Howard, and he's he's rising. And play. you said it earlier, you know, but Fletcher, we trust. Um, it, it's Rapoli, it's Vinny Viola. Paco is, I, I love Paco. I mean, you know what you're going to get from Paco. <laughs> I think it's great. And um, 
Well, you're the only thing I don't like about Paco through. is the fa- the only thing I don't like Paco is the famous Paco look back, which yeah. which has hurt me many times. But he did have the three horse in the last race, Brian, of the pick six that barely got up and gave me the twenty five G along with the yeah. other uh, the Delphi boys. So I guess I can't complain with Paco for a while. <laughs> it warmed my heart when Couter hit that. You know, good for good for the little guys. Um, uh, <laughs> um, I you know I like this horse. I just think he's got another move forward, Howard. And um, yeah. I'm not saying the rest of this group doesn't, but at, at least up until now, I, I kind of feel like we know what they are, aren't they? You know, you're going to get your 78 buyer from Red Danger, and that's fine. It might win. But, you know, when, when you're doing that kind of every month, every four weeks, uh, you're at the mercy of someone stepping up and running a race. And I think maybe Royal Spirit can do it. So I, I put him on top down inside. Grand Sonata I thought was good. The, the other Todd, you know, probably take more money because he's a stakes winner right here at Gulfstream Park in the Dania Beach. So, you know, he would make a lot of sense too. I do think, excuse me, I do think you have to respect coinage because of his speed, Howard, because of that plays. I mean, yeah, you look down on him, he was ninth in the Breeders' Cup yeah. Juvenile, but he was beating six lengths, you know. Modern games, we all know he would be one to a thousand in this race. And Tis the Bomb would be three to five in this race. And McKinnon would be comfortably favored as well so that was a really good race and and uh, he didn't make the lead that day but you could just look at the with the anticipation at saratoga i know he walked on the lead but it was also the last time he made the point there and and uh i would assume he's your inside speed here and and that carries horses on this turf course so you know i respect him too but uh i'll take i guess a little bit of a shot with royal spirit yeah he's i, I think coinage is definitely dangerous the horse i'm going with and just for time i'm not gonna show the replays i really like what i saw from speaking scout last time and by the way red danger is also in this race he's the eight actually the lower morning line which i completely disagree well i shouldn't say i disagree with the morning line i just think that that the four is a better horse folks go back and watch the replay of the pulpit which brian in my opinion was a higher class just better looking race on the visuals than the uh than the Danger Beach in my opinion. Uh speaking Scott was pretty wide on the far turn and just barely lost to Red Danger while Red Danger I believe was on the inside. And also Be- speaking Scout uh gets blinkers on. I love motion. I think Alvarado was one of the most underrated turf riders in the country. I'm very interested in speaking scout. However, as you've said, it's not easy to close at Gulfstream. But I think with coinage and maybe Royal Spirit, I think we might get enough pace in there. Um, I'm very curious to see uh, how Speaking Scout does. Any opinion on Speaking Scout before we move on, Brian? No, they both ran big last time. I mean, they they ran the exact same race, and he just happened to lose by a head. Um, You probably have more upside with Speaking Scout. It's a coin flip who, you know, who's better, who should be favored, who shouldn't be. Um, You know, Red Danger was every bit as wide. It just was one path. And uh, he lost the whip, too. So um, I think going forward, you're probably, you know, right to assume speaking scouts got more upside. But, you know, Red Danger wants to beat you and he's kind of the proven horse. And there's something to be said for that. But now, you know, I I think there's some okay horses in here and and I don't want to spot them four or five lengths going into the far turn. It's going to be tough to run. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, all right, let's get into the pick five. And Brian, we didn't have a chance. Uh, are you able to go past nine or do you need to go off at nine? Yeah, no, we're all good. All 
All right, so we we will go a little bit past nine uh, if if that, if you can, that'd be awesome. Let's start with the pick five, folks. Um, it starts at approximately three thirty-three <laughs> minus the post lag. Another question, another comment I won't get into. Hopefully, it'll start about three thirty-three Eastern Standard Time. It's a great three forward gal. They're winning seven furlongs. It's for the girls, obviously, a hundred thousand. And I'm going to bring up our picks, uh, Brian. We are thinking very similar here, sir, because there is a horse that I think is going to be very tough to beat, and you agree. Uh, we're going chalky with Radio Days with Shug and Dylan Davis in for the ride. Yeah, Dylan Davis comes down pretty cool. Um, she's she's top powered. I mean, uh, yeah. she she could be two to five in here. She's really good. Um, I'm not sure you can say that about anyone else in here. Um, I get that it's a start of a campaign, and I don't know if Shug is thinking the test or the Kentucky Oaks, but um, she is she is all right, and uh, both her races would win this. Uh, and I would think, as a as a bigger, stronger, tougher, faster, meaner three year old filly, she's better than those races in New York. I mean, she's got to ship and prove it. I, I get that, and uh, you know, girl with a dream and diamond wow aren't aren't, aren't slugs. Don't get me wrong. But I think Shug likes this horse, um, and she has done absolutely nothing wrong in her two starts. And to me, Howard, it's just the onward and upward angle. And, and I think she, she's in position to start off uh, what could be a really big 2022 for her. Yeah, she looks really tough. And there is, there's also speed to the inside with Disco yeah. Ebo and a few others. So, I mean, uh, Gratitude's got to go for Pletcher and Irad. I'm sure that horse is going to improve, but they've got a long way to go to catch up. It just sure looks like it sets up perfectly for radio days. We both have the seven. We're not going to get into details, folks, but there's some serious works there at Palm Meadows, Brian. So I sort of saw that, and I love being Cone. I think he's underrated. He doesn't have a huge stable. But, you know, when he runs, he runs well. And the horse is going to get a nice trip from the outside. Um, and certainly, Bean Cone has horses that can run on turf and dirt. So, I don't know. If, if, if the five falters, maybe the seven is one you want. But uh, I do have one quick question from a betting standpoint as we move yeah. on, Brian. We both have the five. For, for those viewers, people watching and listening later in the week on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, uh, do you recommend at all maybe not playing the pick five and just, you know, playing the pick four? Because if the five is going to be three to five, you're really not getting the value in your pick five. Although I'm sure you and I are proud. I don't know if you're an ABC player or not, but I am using other horses underneath. So it's not as if the five loses, I'm going to lose my ticket. Any opinion on ticket construction with a huge favorite in the opening leg of a pick five? Um, I love single and the, the heavy favorite. I mean, it's just obviously it's personal preference, Howard, but, if you think Radio Days is going to win, um, I don't know why you wouldn't single her and then play your late, you know, you play your late pick four ticket down the line because, let's say um, your late pick, the late pick four pays eighty two dollars and you had Radio Days at the start and the pick five pays one hundred and seventy one dollars. I'm just throwing numbers out there, but you know, sure. people don't like to single in the opening leg because it's a mental thing. They don't like to be out. To me, she's a single. I sent that ticket over to you. I don't know if you're going to show it or not eventually, but um, we will. Yes. Yeah, she's a huge, she's a single to me. I, I think, see, you know, if, if she was at the end of the sequence, Howard, she'd be one to nine. But because she's at the beginning of the sequence, she might be seven to five because people don't want to be out. That's fair. If Fire brings up, a, he's a little bit worried about 
the fact that speed's been holding. Not really last weekend. The, the speed was not. I know life is life is good as a as a whole other animal, it's, but I mean there were a bunch of horses that came off the pace fire. I don't know. I did actually. I, I actually. Uh, I didn't look at Gulfstream. Uh, uh, I bet it's Sunday. I, it's hard to say, but five. I mean the the five is tactical. I don't think Radio Days has to be like eight off. I think no, I, I think, think Dylan will have the source. You know, a few lengths off, and probably just blow by them in the stretch. All right, let's go on to the next race. And uh, some of these races in the sequence are not stake races. And I'll tell you what, Brian, uh, I thought the non-stake races were very, very tough races. Totally. Uh, we have some opinions that are similar here, some that are not. We both like the one and two, but we have different horses on top. And, of course, as the guest, I'll let you go first. This is an optional allowance 62K, uh, seven furlongs on the dirt. And you're going with a horse that I find pretty interesting here. You're going with the – is that right, the six? Am I in the right horse there? No, I, I didn't uh, switch no, it over. Go with my the bad. ten violence. Hold on, I didn't switch it over. My bad. I'm sorry. I switched. I didn't switch it over. My fault. Uh wait a minute. Now I'm confusing myself. Oh, race race uh, nine. What am I talking about? There we go. Hello. Sorry about that. Host fail. Too much clicking. There we go. Uh this is a fascinating race. You've got. Uh, let me look at my notes here. Five horses, folks are coming off long layoffs, and they all have a ton of back class. So you've got some real decisions to make. I watched a lot of works, actually, on XBTV, Brian, that I'm going to talk about after you talk about your picks. So you've got Violent City, the 10 horse, for Ian Wilkes and Julian Leperu, 9-2 to Morningline. Yeah, this is actually the what could have been stakes, Howard. I mean, this is <laughs> – a lot you got to explain that to here. people. you got to explain yeah, a little bit. There's a lot of horses in here that were supposed to be certain things, and uh, that hasn't – quite worked out so we go back to the drawing board on february 5th um violent city ran his eyeballs out in his comeback uh my trip notes never got a breather game run is the inside speed and you see it there they went crazy early and there's the running line nice um you know he busted out as the inside speed and collaborate every once in a while collaborates good and when he's good he's really good and he was really good on on uh, january 7th and you know safi and three chimneys and all that. So he's a nice horse. So um, I, I, I think, you know, he could regress Howard violent city. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he ran a, he ran what is for him a pretty freakish race, but um, you know, he's also got, as you kind of alluded to, he's got a huge recency edge on a lot of the horses that are going to be favorites in here. And now he's outside and he doesn't have to be dictated to, he can, you know, be outside and, and spy him all to his inside. So um, I, I landed on him. I also landed on, I think, eight others in the pick five, Howard. So, um, I mean, this is a monster effort. Here's collaborate for E5, excuse me. And, and uh, he fought them all off except for collaborate, who, who yeah. you know, I know Sappy thinks he's going to do things this year. So um, I actually had a derby future on collaborate last year. I really thought he was going to be something. He just never panned out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he exactly, and now he might be okay. And he also, at Collaborate, we're getting off topic, but he put Lasix back on last time, and that helped too. So, anywho, yeah. I just think Violent City with the recency edge over two things too, Howard. Okay, all these horses, they haven't run in a while. And to be just perfectly blunt, I don't really know if Soup and Sandwich and Prevalence and those kind of horses are all that good either. Yeah, well, let's talk, let's talk about your second choice. This is my third choice. Uh, Brian, if this horse gets, goes off at 8-1, to one, I will be shocked, and I will be going to the window. Um, Candyman Rocket, I guess you could say only has really 
you know, one big win in the Sam F. Davis last year. But something tells me this horse has been working really well. I would not question Mott and Alvarado. I don't know if this is a planned layoff. I don't have – maybe you could share some backstories of these horses. Have they been injured? They were just given a break. I honestly don't know, to be honest. Um, but this horse is working really well at Payson and figures to get a nice trip from the outside. Yeah, I have zero knowledge whatsoever. I, I, I can be pretty <laughs> confident. It wasn't a planned layoff after he just missed in a stakes in May. So, you know, something you probably, so. you know, Bill Mott, the most patient guy in the backstretch. So you said yeah. it in Pletcher, but in Bill Mott, we trust too. Um, I, Howard, to be honest, with you, I don't know how you don't get eight to one, you know, because there's there's 20 different ways you can go in here. And, okay. and uh, you know, they're going to bet prevalence. They're going to bet stupid sandwich, coastal defensive, yada, yada, yada. Um, I, I kind of feel like maybe him as a newly minted four-year-old could be okay, right? He flashed some 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 solid yeah. form at three, and he, he couldn't see it out in the wood in the Tampa Bay Derby, but he got back on track going one turn uh, at Belmont. And, and now, you know, I would think Bill Mott's going to bring him over there is probably better than he's ever been doing. And, you know, we saw it a few times at Saratoga last summer with with Speaker's Corner and and well, baby Yoda, but that was a private purchase. But Bill has got a, an innate ability to bring these horses back off extended layoffs, and they just they run off the screen. And yeah. uh, I, I think Candyman Rocket's very, very live in here. I like this post because he's tactical going seven. There's a long enough run for him to get position. So, yeah, I, I think he fires a big shot, Howard. I agree. And I hope a lot of these horses come back and do well. It, it just makes racing that much better. Um, and, and I'm very intrigued to see how Candyman Rocket comes back. Let me a little bit, I'm just going to scroll. Neither one of us have prevalence. You talked about horses that, you know, maybe you're overrated or never really panned out. I mean, prevalence after he won his first race, I'm sure you remember this last January, everyone, this was like everyone's derby horse, which was crazy because really he got a very soft pace, even though he ran very impressively. Um, neither one of us have prevalence. I think the horse is overrated. I mean, can he come back and, run well i guess but you know we'll, we'll have to see i'm much more interested in the two inside soup and sandwich has been uh, training very well i have no idea what happened to the perryville i mean that was a tough spot and obviously just didn't fire i'm expecting him to you know come back and run well the one i really mentioned though is war stopper and i'm going to put myself us back on screen here got a little tidbit on war stopper i watched some works with war stopper uh, War Stopper has been working with Promise Keeper. Now, if you folks okay. don't know who Promise Keeper is, he was a really nice three-year-old for Pletcher who uh, won the Peter Pan last year. Very good horse. And I got to tell you, watching the workouts, I thought War Stopper was working better than Promise Keeper. I have a feeling that this horse is going to fire huge. I like the fact that he's a little bit further to the inside. I don't think he has to be sent crazy. Um, I think you're going to get maybe more than six to one. I mean, who knows what the prices are going to be in these races, but I like War Stopper in this race. There are a lot of ways you can go in this uh, race nine for sure. Uh, let's go on to race 10. Uh, as you can see, our picks there, race 10. Race 10 is another stake. It's on the turf. It is for the Phillies. Uh, Three-year-olds, mile 16th, $100,000. It's the sweetest chant stakes. And we have different horses uh, on top again. Uh Ambitus, I believe. Ambitus, I believe. I don't know. I, I think I tried to pronounce it correctly. Uh, <laughs> French bread, or he's not. He's not French bread, but he's got a French name. Uh, Grand Motion. There's your guy Paco again. 
Yeah, I thought she was okay last time, uh, albeit on the torpedo, but uh, she ran okay on the dirt, on the turf, excuse me, on debut. And Graham's not a guy that's going to fire. It's a it's the Wertheimer brothers' homebred, and we know, you know, they they bred immortal horses. So uh, th- we've got some bloodlines here. And I don't know, Howard, you look at this group, and I thought Opalina was, quite frankly, terrible last time. She could not win, and she ran third. Um, the rest of these are, are, you know, Ocean Safari's fine. You have to use her. Battle Charge comes in from Tampa. Who knows what, what, what that race means, but it was very fast. And I just think Graham, you know, might be ready to unleash something in here. She should be a square price. Um, she's only run three twice. She does face winners today, but, you know, we're all kind of in the same boat here. None of these horses are overly fast. Maybe she falls through the wager and cracks a little bit. And, and you know, I didn't want to be master of the obvious and just say, you know what, Ocean Safari, Battle Charge, and Opalina are, are the horses in here. I think it's a race that's kind of ripe for the taking, and maybe Ambitus wakes up a little bit and moves forward in a big way. Yeah, I watched the replay. I thought she ran very well. She was legit four wide on the turn. I think with those lower buyers and those lower numbers, Brian, you're going to get that six to one, if not yeah. even higher. So I think that's a, a good pick. Um, Ocean Safari, I like what I saw last time coming out of that Opalina race, was wide. Um, by the way, first time since October for, for Zerpa. I'm expecting an improvement here. Um, I didn't have anything clever in this race. I thought it was yeah. tricky. And I agree with you completely. I have no idea what to make of Battle Charge's 83 buyer. I mean, if she runs back <laughs> to that, you know, good night, Irene. Uh, you got Tyler G in the saddle. It looks like she showed more speed last time, which I do like that quite a bit. But, I mean, she's no killer here. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think this is another spread race. Uh, it's tricky. Yeah, I, I agree. agree that? And, and, uh, yeah, I think the favorites are a little tough to trust, too. And and you're allowed to get a little creative in a, in a spot like this. These are three-year-old fillies that haven't run a lot. And they're three-year-old fillies that are still kind of trying to find themselves. And, and uh, I think Ambitus, if nothing else, Howard's got a lot of upside. I even looked at Nostalgic on the rail. Not a lot of turf breeding, but it's Mott and Alvarado. I mean, how many times have we seen yeah. the, the dirt to turf angle with them? And I don't, neither one of us, I mean, this horse could absolutely pop up and win. So I'm, I'm assuming on a, at an ABC ticket, you'll have this horse somewhere as well as I will. So very tough race, folks. So you got to do your homework. And uh, I think it's going to be a very trip-dependent race, Brian. I think we'd agree with that uh, in this yeah. one. Let's go to race 11. Race 11 is the Swale. You see our picks there on the bottom. We have the same three picks in different order here. Um, let me bring it up. Uh, I'm, it's the Holy Bowl. I'm sorry. My bad. I'm screwing up tonight. I apologize. This is the Holy Bowl. This is this is the big one here. Uh, grade three. Uh, there's points on the line for the Derby here. Mile 16th. Quarter of a million dollars. Real nice purse. We think it's a three-horse race between the two, four, and nine. Uh, Brian, you're going with a horse that figures to be on the lead here. Ran very nice last time, stretching out to a mile in the Mucho Macho Man for Antonio Sano's simplification uh, with Castellano in the irons. He's loose, right? I mean, um, I, I think there's a couple of things going on here. Um, he's loose and controlling to me. It's a short finish line. I think do not overlook that. You're going to wake up on the far turn, and if you're <laughs> four behind, you can't win, okay? it's a, It's a short finish line. You know, uh, it, you know, you think a promise is fulfilled and horses like that and the fountain of youth, you get to that far turn and they're not coming back. And the other thing, too, Howard, is that it's February 5th. And I think on February 5th, 
simplification might be better than the rest of these. On March 5th, on April 5th, on May 5th, I don't think I want him. But today or on, on February 5th, I think he's in the right spot. It's the start of a campaign for Mo Donegal. And I know Todd and, and the folks at Donegal Racing are hoping that campaign, you know, is on the first Saturday in May. Why does Giant Game need to win today after running third in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile? Tis the bomb. Can we handle dirt? I don't know. Uh, and then if he doesn't, Kenny goes back to the turf. But I think today, simplification's in a good spot, and he should be loose. And, and the other thing, too, is there were, you know, he had a couple issues leading up to that total dud in the optional claimer there on November 13th. And um, they weren't sure if they were going to privately sell them or not. They opted to keep them. And, and so when simplification is good, and obviously you can see when he's good, he's, it's happened twice. He is really, really good. And he bottomed out the field last time in the Mucho Macho Man. And I just think at a short eight and a half on this dirt course, he might forget to stop. I think I'm going to bring us back on screen. Brian, I think you, you, you stole the words out of my mouth. I know I have this horse third. But when comparing simplification to Mo Donegal, we you guys have to handicap on what's going to happen Saturday, not what's going to happen in the future. This is just a starting point for Mo Donegal. I'm guessing Mo Donegal's going to be the favorite, Brian. I think we probably, I think Mo Donegal's could be eight to five, nine to five. I really think they're going to totally pound this horse off of a nice effort um, in New York last time. But I'm feeling Mo Donegal's going to be taken back, make one big run, and this is a setup for the Fountain of Youth and going forward. I mean, obviously, Mo Donegal can win. We both agree with that. But both of us believe that today is not the day for him. So if he wins, we'll tip our cap and say maybe this you know, horse was more ready than we thought. Uh, but we're both a little bit against Mo Donegal. I want to talk about uh, the one about simplification that I'm a little bit concerned about. I'm not sure he's that loose. I think Cajun's magic could show some speed as a Florida bred. I mean, why is he in the race if they're not going to try? Um, the one that I think you need to be most concerned about is the eight white Abaro in terms of early speed, not to win the race. I mean, Gaffleyon's pretty aggressive. I, I don't see Safi like taking back when he knows he can't be wide on the first turn. So my concern overall is I don't know how classy simplification is. And I don't know, Brian, if he wants these two turns, I watched his work. I watch his win. He's not the prettiest mover. He just doesn't strike me as a two-turn horse. I could be completely wrong, and maybe he'll just wire the field. But I think if he takes any pace pressure, I think he's vulnerable. Will that happen? I don't know. Um, I'm a big fan of Giant Game. I wish I – I meant to – I had a Nick Hines on last year, Brian, and he, he has, he has a, he's a bloodstock guy too, and he had some connection with Giant Game put me on this horse or told me about him before his Keeneland main breaker. And he said back in October that they were hoping to get this horse, the Derby and that Romans was very high in him. I have a small future wager on giant game. So I got to put him on top. My only concern here is the, the outside post size is going to have to work something out. I think he can sit mid pack. If he's able to save any ground on the first turn, Brian, I think giant game is very live and I don't know if you've seen this horse work in the mornings. Do you get out to the track in the morning or not? No. Early? Okay. Yeah. Hard. <laughs> Way too early. I hear you. Uh, from what I understand and just watching, this horse has been working like an absolute freight train. So if he's able to save ground, I think he's got a big shot, Brian. You think this is more like Modonagal, just they're waiting for the next one? Is that your thought? Well, I, I – In terms I of getting cranked clear. up. 
Yeah, I think Mo Donegal's clearly the horse to beat. Giant game. I, you know, again, why does why does he want to win today? You know, it's a start. It's to me, it's kind of a weird spot for him too. He looks maybe to me, he's more like a fairgrounds type of horse or something. I, I don't know. Okay. I, I see. You know, Cornice buried the entire field and Papa Cap, who was dreadful in the Risen Star. I know he's third, but he wasn't very good. Totally um, agree. I don't know. Someone has to run second, and someone has to run third in horse races, and. And so I think okay. I think Howard horses like that get a little blown up because people see third in the Breeders' Cup juvenile and that was good. Um, I just think again with Mo Donegal and Giant Game, it's 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 a progression and they want to get a good start uh, to jump into the pool and and we'll, we'll move forward off this race as you alluded to. He's poorly drawn. It's the short stretch. I think a horse like him, you know, he doesn't have a lot of speed. Um, I think a horse like Giant Game is really up against it. I think, if nothing else, at least Mo Donegal down inside, he's kind of tactical. You know, he's he's run one turn at Belmont. Um, I think he'll be closer. Giant Game, to me, looks like he'll run out of room. Wow, okay. I actually think Mo Donegal's going to be three to four lengths behind Giant Game on the backstretch. I could be completely wrong. I, I'm anxious to see. Um, how they how they run? I, Mo Dongle strikes me as some. He was up closer last time because look, they went fifty one and one sixteen. Yeah. So sure. you know, I, I think this is more of a, a, a mid pack sort of closing type. But anyway, we're gonna move on to the next race. It's gonna be a great race. I think it's a pretty darn salty Holy Bowl. I don't know how you felt overall for as as the as the first sort of derby prep in, at Gulfstream for this year. I thought this was an excellent race quality wise. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to sell it as a home team, but on, on February 5th, it's a it's a heck of a lot better than I thought it would be, Howard. There's no doubt about totally that. Totally agree. Let's go on to the last race, Brian. Then we'll show our pick five tickets. And really appreciate you staying on and and uh, talking to everyone tonight with some great opinions. This this last race, I don't know about you, <laughs> this gave me a serious headache. I mean, this is an absolute wide open race. They're on the turf. It's a 16 claimer. This is typical like last race cluster. You know what? Um, it's not a, it's not bad quality, by the way. It's just a lot of horses with the same kind of, you know, buyer figures. It's very tricky. Uh, we both like the 10 and 12, but we both have different horses on top again. So great minds think alike to some extent, uh, you're going with the four kitten street eight to one, uh, who looks like I'm assuming is rounding back into form. Yeah. And maybe he's in the front. I don't know, Howard, that's where the dart landed and. I don't want to speak for you, but I think you're dark landed on Boru, right? It's that kind of race. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right. He's rounding back into form and just dig a little bit. You see the turf races, which were pretty darn good. And we've talked about being up close on this turf course. And uh, he certainly fits that bill for, for Gerald Brooks, who started slow, but those three wins have been, you know, recently. Um, and maybe Kitten Street, catches a little bit of a flyer at the start and, and gets brave. I mean, there, there is other horse, there are other horses who want to be involved, but I think if he wants to be fastest, he can be, he should be, what is he eight? I'm looking at it now. He's eight on the line. You're, you're supposed to get that in here. And the other thing too, Howard, and we both have the 10 and we both have the 12. Uh, you can't make up a worse post for those two horses. So that's the other thing where you can get a little creative in your handicapping because being in the parking lot at going a mile or going seven and a half on this turf course is not a good thing at all. No, I, and Mo Reddy, again, I don't think will be 12 to one, but that is a brutal 
posts. If anyone can get the job done from the 12 hole, Brian, though, it's Iran. I'm sure he can, you know, wipe a few horses outside of him. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding about that. He'll, he can figure something out. And the 10 Vittori can, I'll just push back a little bit. I mean, this is a closer. So I think side is just going to take back. I'm not really as concerned about him being wide as I am the 12. Um, But obviously you don't really want to be wide and lose ground. I thought the three was really interesting, a Baru. Uh, you can't go wrong with a Walder claim. And again, similar to your four, this horse has been on the dirt last two times, or excuse me, uh, the poly and then the dirt. Th- this is a turf horse. He wants to be on turf. Castellano's riding pretty well right now. He's going to save ground. He's going to close into some pace. Not a big fan of three for 23, Brian. I'll admit that. But listen, you could you could do worse with this horse. The, the horse it might drift up in price. Uh, this is wide open. I think any of those three, I think I'm, we'll show our tickets here right now. I'm going to take us, uh, uh, put us back on screen. I'll show us our pick five tickets. Um, there's a lot of ways you can go in the last race. Brian, if you want to walk everyone through your $84 uh, pick five ticket, obviously you're singling and then spreading in, yeah. in other places as well. Not, not for the faint of heart, Howard. Um, yeah, so there's <laughs> the single to kick it off with radio days and, and um, we talked about race nine. It's impossible. And I had no opinion. I want to be alive because it's also the type of race, Howard, where if um, if Violent City wins at seven to one, he could be 15 in the sequence because there are so many horses being knocked out when someone else wins because they have to take a lot of money. We go uh, number four, Ambitus at a little bit of a price there with with logicals underneath. Um I, you know what? I think Mo Donegal's comfortably the best horse in there. But again, I said simplification could get loose. So there's some built-in value with him. And, and my goodness, I'd love to be alive for the last race and, and, and hope and we get a price with a horse like Kitten Street. I use Baru too, Howard. I mean, I'm with you. I mean, you, you yeah. saw it right there. Um, you know, I thought Mo Reddy would, would, would be relatively a comfortable favorite. So, you know, he's... I think he's, I saw 12 to one. He, he, he won't be that. Um, no. But th- these are other horses that are going to take a lot of money. And I think Kitten Street could potentially brew another one. Maybe they fall through those wagering cracks a little bit. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what. Unlike last Saturday, I would be shocked if there's a lot of chalks uh, yeah. on Saturday, this Saturday. I mean, I just – these races are way too wide open. There's way too many horses that could win. I'll very briefly show my ticket. It's not too dissimilar. I'm stealing the five also in the first leg. And listen, if we lose, we'll just – again, That's this is not the ticket that I play. Everyone that watches the show or listens to the show knows that. And, and I, I have to keep remembering that I'm, now I'm on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So let me read off. My pick five ticket, it's five with five, seven, eight, 12, with three, six, eight, with two, nine, with three, four, six, nine, 10, 12. And I'm going to read off Brian's ticket and then very quickly go back to my ticket. Brian's ticket, five with five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 12, with four, six, eight, with two, four, with three, four, 10, 12. Um, I'm going very deep in the second leg and the fifth leg. Uh, I'm going a little bit skinnier in other places. Uh, this thing can absolutely pay. Um, I, you know, who you go with the Holy, if you can beat Mo Donegal in the Holy Bull, I think that's going to raise the ticket quite a bit. Cause I really do think he's going to take a ton of money. And we both think that horse absolutely does not have to win. Uh, Brian, Adam, before you go, where can people find you on Twitter and feel free to promote anything coming up at Gulfstream or in your world specifically. 
Yeah, I'm all over Twitter, Howard. No, that's a joke. Uh, Brian <laughs> underscore J underscore Natto. Um, that, that's me on Twitter. And, uh, you know, I'm on Gulfstream. Uh, fortunate every day. And I'm sending out pick fives and, and uh, selections. And, of course, Capital OTB as well. And I still do the show um, every Saturday with, with Seth, Seth Marrow. You can catch that on OTB uh, as well, 9 to 10 every Saturday morning it airs. And uh, so, yeah, I'm out there. I'm out there, Jerry, and I'm loving every minute of it. Uh, Brian, it was, a, no, no, it was a real pleasure to meet you in person last week. I'm hoping you're going to see yeah. you out there at, in New York. And you're welcome to the show anytime. I hope you enjoyed coming on to the podcast. And we talked about it last week. And, of course, you did an awesome job as always. And uh, let's both crush this thing uh, next uh, this Saturday. It's going to be a lot of fun, these races. Yeah, Howard, it was a pleasure. You got thrown thrown into the deep end of the pool with the boys from Saratoga last week, and uh, <laughs> so that was cool to see all those guys and, and meet you. And uh, yeah, thanks, thanks so much, and let's do it again soon. Absolutely. Good luck on Saturday. Thanks a lot, Brian. Yeah. Appreciate it. Right. Take yeah. care. Bye bye. All right, folks. That was Brian Nadow. Does a great job, Brian. Really want to appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Um, he had some very good opinions. Uh, I was a little bit different in certain races, the same in others. It's a great card. Highly recommend you folks go ahead and uh, play Gulfstream on Saturday. Once again, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can hear me there if you're not able to view the show. I got the race day blog going as well. Now is a great time to go ahead and purchase that as well. And then next uh, Thursday, guest to be determined. I'm working on uh, getting a few people. The The racing weekend next weekend's a little bit slower, so... I believe I'm going to have a very, really interesting guest on the show next Thursday that follow me on Twitter. Uh, you'll hear about it. I'll be sending it out. I'm trying to get Joe Drape, who's an excellent writer for the New York Times, who's actually been covering the Bob Baffert saga. So uh, we wanted to get him on a few weeks ago. He had a family conflict. Hopefully we'll have Joe Drape on next week from the New York Times talking about the Baffert situation. If not, we will definitely have another excellent guest on next Thursday. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 110 of the HHH Racing Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Please make sure you subscribe. Smash that subscribe button. Get everyone you know to hit that subscribe button. I'd really appreciate it. And also subscribe to the Race Day blog. Good luck to everyone this Saturday at Gulfstream with the Holy Bowl and the other grade three stake races. Have a great evening, everyone. Good night.